Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Hey, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know that we're in a somewhat of a new series. We're going to kind of pick up mid-sentence because this is week three of our series, Bigger, uh, Better, Bolder. Amen. Say that with me. Bigger, Better, Bolder. That's a word we believe the Lord spoke to our church as we, as we turned eight. Amen. The number eight in biblical numerology signifies new beginnings. Amen. How many of you realize that sometimes in life what got you here ain't going to get you there? And that if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, there are moments and seasons in our lives where we have to come to a place where we must be willing to make some mid-course corrections to get us where God needs us to be. And God began to deal with my heart and said, what he will do next will be bigger, it will be better, and it will be bolder. Here's why Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says that God is able, listen to this, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ever ask or imagine. Listen to me, if you can think it, God can top it. Think of your biggest dream, your wildest imagination. God can do more. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever conjure up in your finite mind. The Lord began to prompt me and said, Ray, that's the season that I'm bringing you into. Now, how many of you realize that the purpose of God is not always immediate? And that's where most of us faint. We know what God said. We know that we heard from God, but because it doesn't happen instantaneously or immediately, we begin to wrestle. And that's where the enemy comes in now, because the enemy will always get us to ask two questions or wrestle and grapple with two questions. Number one, remember in the Garden of Eden, it comes up to Adam and Eve, what he asked them, did God really say that? I know you had this long conversation with God, but are you sure that's what he said? Because if that's really what he said, then your present reality would match what you claim he promised. But your present reality don't look nothing like what you claim God said. So are you sure? Or is that just a figment of your imagination? The enemy... The lie of the enemy always comes, first and foremost, to get us to question what God said. Here's the second thing, here's the second thing, that the lies of the enemy, the whispers of the enemy, that God is going to quiet with his love this morning. Here's the second thing. The enemy will get you to question whether God really cares. Because if God really cared about you, sister, if God really cared about you, girlfriend, he would deliver you right now. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. Y'all remember when, when, when listen to me, y'all, y'all remember when Jesus told his disciples, let's go to the other side? When they got in the boat, halfway through where they were and where they were headed, Anybody remember what happened? Storm arose. Now, the scripture says Jesus was asleep in the stern. And the disciples came to him and said, look, master, we're drowning. Listen to me, listen to me. The boat was filling up with water. 
you. But that is a good argument, a good case that suggests this boat's about to sink. Based on my present reality, what I must now wrestle with, Lisa, is the fact that Jesus told me, let's go to the other side. In the middle of doing exactly what Jesus told me, my boat's about to sink. Are y'all hearing me? They weren't experiencing what they were experiencing because they were out of the will of God. May I submit to you that sometimes in life you will experience storms that are not a result of disobedience, but they are evidence that you are smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Now the problem is, Dad, that while the boat's sinking, Jesus ain't up there trying to fill a bucket with water and pour it out. Jesus is knocked out. No, listen now, have you ever felt like Jesus was asleep in the middle of your storm? I got one witness, at least one witness that you will be honest enough to say, I have felt at times in my life when I was doing the will of God and my boat began to sink that Jesus, who I was obedient to, was asleep in the middle of my storm. That's what the scripture said. Jesus was knocked out. Now, now, what did I say the first thing was? You questioned what he said. Now, if anybody got some sense, if your boat starts to drown, you're going to say, man, did Jesus really say? We going to the other side? Because at this point, it's crystal clear we ain't going to make it. Crystal clear, we ain't going to make it. He will always come, the enemy will always come to cause you to question what Jesus said. The second thing he will do is he will cause you to question whether you actually, whether he actually cares. Remember when the disciples came and woke Jesus up? They said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Let me tell you something. If the enemy can't get you to doubt what God said, he will get you to doubt whether or not God cares. And let me tell you what he will use against you. He will use your circumstances to tell you that God doesn't care about you. Because if he really cared, none of this would be happening. That's where you and I have to learn what we've been talking about. And that is about developing faith for the long haul. Ah, faith for the long haul. Not faith that just lasts a moment. Not a faith that is circumstantial that's just based on things going my way. It is the ability to trust God even when my circumstances are contradictory to what I know God said. Mm -hmm. that's, what the, that's, what, that's what the disciples had to grapple with. Because life will always present two competing and contradictory testimonies. You will always have to wrestle with the testimony of God 
and the testimony of your senses. Listen to me. The testimony of God and the testimony of what you can see, what you can feel, what you can touch, and what you are experiencing. And how many of you realize that sometimes the things that we can feel, touch, and measure can sometimes seem more compelling than the promise of God that I cannot see? Are y'all listening to me this morning? Life will always present two competing. They are wrestling against each other. God's promise and my current predicament. Who will I trust? And listen to me, listen to me. Your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. And if your dominant thoughts are informed by your senses, you're going to throw on the towel prematurely. Mm-hmm. And what God wants us to do as a church is to cultivate faith for the long haul. In fact, our anchor text last week and this week as well is lifted from Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 10. It says, for God is not unjust to forget. You know what that means? He ain't going to fall asleep on your situation. That's why the psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. All of my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Listen to what the psalmist is saying. He said, the same God that made the heavens and the earth is my help. The same God that created everything you see is in my corner. So I'm going to look to him. And it says, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He sees it all. He knows it all. And he just doesn't see it and know it all. He, he feels it all. The scripture says he is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. He too is moved by what you're going through. He hurts when you hurt. Are y'all with me? Uh, so he's not forget, unjust to forget your work. And your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints... And you do minister. What you do is not just past it. It's not something that you just did once upon a time. But he sees what you did and he sees what you're currently doing. And he's not unjust to forget it. He will surely reward your labor of love. Ah, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish. Here it is. Don't become sluggish. Don't become sluggish. Come on, somebody. Don't become sluggish when the promise is taking a little while. There's a, there was a prominent New England minister, uh, and his name was Phyllis, Philip Brooks. And he was notable or noted for the fact that he always maintained a cool, calm, and collected demeanor, a lot like your pastor. Until one day, uh, the young men and the young women that he mentored, his protégés, came to him because they noticed that that day, Philip Brooks wasn't so cool, calm, and collected because he was pacing frantically back and forth in his study. And then one of his, his, his mentees, one of his protégés, mustered up enough courage to ask him, Reverend Brooks, what's wrong? 
And this cool, calm, and collected, always self-assured, always confident New England revivalist responded with these words. It seems like I'm in a hurry, but God is not. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you were in a hurry? For your situation and your circumstances to change. And it seemed like God was just taking his own time. Man, there are some things I wish God would do right now. Like yesterday. You in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. God just chilling. Remember what Jesus said? Did, you remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they came to him and said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Anybody remember what Jesus said? He didn't, he didn't even respond to their question about whether he cared or not. He said, did I not tell you we're going to the other side? He didn't respond to whether he loved them or not. Jesus said, why are y'all tripping? This boat filling up with water, but what's the last thing I said to you? We going to the other side. And Jesus was saying to the disciples, it matters not what happens between, what happens between the last shore and the shore we're heading to. I told you we're going to the other side. Even if this boat sinks, We're going to get to the other side. That's what we miss. We think that if God says you're going to the other side, it means that you're going to get there without a scratch, without a challenge, without a storm. Is there anywhere in the Bible that he promised that you would get to the other side untouched? That's where we start tripping though. Jesus in the boat, I ain't going to have no problem. Is there anywhere he promised you that? And that's where, we, that's where we become sluggish because of our expectations of God. God, if I'm going to walk with you, make me immune to trouble. He never promised that. Can I tell you what Jesus did promise? In this life, Come on, thank you, brother, for finishing it for me. In this life, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart, because I've overcome the world. So no matter what happens between... Didn't I tell you we were going to the other side? Why are you tripping? And that's where we become sluggish. So he says, here's the antidote, here's the cure when our faith becomes sluggish. Here he goes. He says, do not become sluggish, but imitate. Imitate those who through faith inherit the promise. There you go. It's not just a matter of faith. It's also a matter of 
Who inherits the promise? The one who learns to believe. Listen to me. While he waits. In fact, last week I said it this way. I said, I said uh, uh, patience is faith prolonged. Patience is faith sustained over an extended period of time. That's what patience is. Learning to trust God, not just now. Because most of us Christians, we are 100 meter dash Christians. Get me across that line in 10 seconds or less. When Jesus says, no, 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 I recruited you for the Boston Marathon, 26.2. This ain't going to be a 100-meter dash, 26.2. So get your stamina up for the long haul. Abraham, 25 years. Joseph, 13. David, 14. Faith for the long haul. Now, he says, be imitators. Who are we going to imitate? And the reason I love this is because he's given us an example, right? Something to follow. Someone to follow. So that when I get sluggish, I can go to the testimony and the decisions and the lives of these people who preceded me. Are you with me? I can look at their lives, I can study their lives, and see God's interaction with their lives, and from their lives, and from this observation and study of their lives, I too can find the faith and patience to inherit my promise. That's why he filled up the whole book of Hebrews 11. I like to call it the Faith Hall of Fame, with example after example of men and women who inherited the promise, not just, not just because they believed but they waited. Are y'all with me? Hmm. Should I even say this? Let me say this. I got to say this. The word in Hebrew that we translate wait is not a passive word. Most of us think that biblical waiting is just sit around and do nothing. In fact, uh, most of us when we leave here <clears throat> already have plans for what we're going to eat. <laughs> and when you show up where you're going to eat, after you're seated, you will be assigned a... Now, if you've got a good waiter, what are they going to do? They're just going to sit around? What are they going to do? They're going to come to your table. Going to fill your glass. They're going to be proactive. They're going to anticipate what you need. They're not going to wait for you to wave your menu or try to, try to. Are you with me? Waiting on God is an active word. In fact, that word means I minister. That's what the word minister means. That's what the word wait means. It means I serve. I wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. When you're growing sluggish in your faith, your responsibility is to wait on the Lord. Listen to me, to minister unto the Lord. 
while you wait. And in ministering unto the Lord, in serving the Lord, we renew our strength. Now, how many of you realize good waiters get real good tips? Most of us haven't learned, we haven't mastered the art of waiting. Listen to me. If you read Romans chapter 4, I'm just going to teach a little bit. When you read Romans chapter 4, it gives us Abraham's testimony and his secret sauce. The scripture says concerning Abraham, right, that though he was, he didn't even, yeah, Romans chapter 4. Did you pull it up? Give me Romans chapter, no, I'll find it here. Romans chapter 4. I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm going to land the plane. Are y'all ready? Let me read Romans chapter 4 for you real quick. Romans chapter 4, verses uh, 19 and 20. Notice what the scripture says, and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. Romans 4, verse 19. He didn't even consider his own body. Listen to me. Listen to me. He did not even consider his own body. Now did. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, I'm not trying to be crude or crass, but listen to me. When God gave Abraham the promise, the issue was Sarah's barrenness. Now he's been waiting on God so long that now he dead too. Listen to me. I ain't trying to be funny. Listen to me. If you have walked with God long enough, there have been times and seasons in your life when your circumstances didn't get better, they just got worse while you waited on God. No, no, listen, I want to talk to a church that sees another side of God that we don't always hear on Christian television. Listen to me, it's one thing to trust God. And see something change while you wait. But there was a woman with an issue of blood. Who had this issue for 12 years. And the scripture says she spent every single penny that she had. And only grew worse. I'm talking about if we're honest with ourselves. When we look at the two testimonies. God, this is what you promised. But man, this is what I'm experiencing. And I'm waiting on you, but it ain't getting better. It's getting worse. Now I'm all out of money. And I ain't one ounce better. In fact, I'm worse. All the while trusting you. I'm talking about faith for the long haul. Ah, I was going to go somewhere with this. But let me get back on track. So what does God do? Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm going to land the plane. What does God do? He says, I'm going to take you, my son, my daughter, through a process that's going to require faith and patience. So notice what he does. Hebrews chapter 6, 
verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. It says, when God made a promise to Abraham, come on somebody, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Notice what God's doing. God didn't only give Abraham a promise, but then he swore that I'm going to fulfill it. God didn't do it because it was necessary for him. God did it because it was necessary for Abraham. And God says the same thing to us. He says, I'm not just promising you that I'm going to do it. I swear by myself that I'm going to do it. And not only that, he went a step further and then he cut covenants and said, I'm going to give you the promise. I'm going to swear an oath and then I'm going to cut a covenant with you that whatever I say, I'm going to do. Listen to me. Regardless of what your situation or your circumstances are, God has sworn an oath. And what faith will always do, faith will be a conscious decision to elevate the testimony of God's character and God's word above the testimony of my senses and my circumstances. Did y'all hear that? Faith will always elevate the testimony of God's word and his character above my circumstances. Regardless of what my circumstances are, I can go back to his character and to his word. Now, often the dilemma of faith is twofold. Are y'all ready for this? When it comes to trusting God, often the dilemma of faith is twofold. Number one, We wait too long to get started, and we quit too soon. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wait too long to get started, and then some of us quit too soon. I will venture to say that some of us are waiting on the other side of an instruction that God gave us, and we're just waiting. Because the conditions aren't perfect. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 4 and 6 say. Listen, listen. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. It says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. The dilemma of faith is after we've heard from God, most of us wait too long to act on what God has said. And opportunities are never lost. Somebody else just picks it up. And the truth is, if you have to prepare, when opportunity comes knocking, it's already too late. Because the worst time to learn how to swim is when you drown it. I'm talking to those of us who wait too long. I'm talking about those of us who are waiting for a sign after God said. Most of us wait for perfect conditions. Oh, when the kids graduate, when I get that raise, and most of us are trapped, immobilized by the paralysis of analysis. Won't make a move 
because you're analyzing earth thing. I'm talking about faith for the long haul. For some people this morning, God is saying, do it now. Do it now. When God told, when God told Noah to build an ark, he told them to build this monstrosity of a boat. And he started to tell these people that a flood is coming and there had never even been an ounce of rain. Depending on which Bible commentator you read, they will tell you that that could have been as long as a 40-year process. Imagine building something that you said God told you for 40 years and not one drop of rain, let alone a flood. Listen to me, I'm talking about faith for the long haul. I'm talking about building an ark when everybody laughing at you and calling you crazy. But you know what God said. And you're not waiting for perfect. Noah didn't say, okay, Lord, at least send one really heavy rain. So these people can know I ain't crazy. Are y'all listening to me? Noah didn't wait to get started. And for 40 years, he's steady building something that God told him to build that nobody had ever seen, for which there was absolutely no reason to build. And how many of you realize that Noah built alone? Most of us want to obey God by committee. If I can get enough people to believe in my dream, buy into my dream, invest in my dream, then I'm going to do it. You're not listening to me this morning. Most of us wait too long. And Noah built for 40 years. And the scripture says we need to be imitators of those. Who do we imitate? We imitate Noah. And on a word from God, start to build it. Are y'all listening to me this morning? <sighs> okay, here's the deal. I was going to give you a whole bunch of examples, but I just want to give you one last one, and then I'm going to land the plane. You know why I haven't landed the plane yet? It's because of inclement weather conditions at DFW. I'm just circling. I'm just circling. The pilot circling. I can't land. But I'm about to, though. They're about to... The tower about to clear me to, to land. Are y'all with me? I'm about to wrap it up. Are y'all with me? Let me give you one more example. Who we gonna imitate? We're gonna imitate Noah. We're gonna, we gonna imitate, we're gonna imitate Abraham. But oh, man, uh, today, ah oh, man. Today, as we close, uh, can we just imitate Joshua? Can, can we just imitate Joshua? Uh, because in Joshua chapter 6, and Joshua is in the faith hall of fame, but I just want to point out something that we can learn from Joshua this morning. Are y'all, are y'all with me? I'm talking about faith for the long haul. I'm talking about faith uh, for the long haul. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to give y'all the cliff notes this morning. Come on, somebody. I feel faith rising 
in some hearts this morning. The Lord said, do it now, do it now, do it now. The dilemma of faith is twofold. We wait too long to get started. And as some of us quit too soon, we quit too soon. 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 And the Lord says, look, I'm bringing my church into a season where I'm going to do what I promised. But those who receive the promise are those who have learned the power of faith and patience. Ah, Here it is. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 6. Are you there? Okay. Uh, Now the scripture says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went out and none came in. Look, Jericho was on lock. Jericho was on lockdown and here's why. Because they had heard the reputation of God concerning his people. They had heard that these Israelites, they serve a God who drowned the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And as the Israelites are marching toward Jericho, the entire city is on lockdown. Now, we have the benefit of reading the story. Israelites didn't know. As far as they know, after they crossed over to the promised land, their first challenge was Jericho, which was known to be an impregnable city. Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like, oh, wow, Jesus, you brought me out. But the very next thing you see is Jericho. May, may, may I suggest to you that some of us quit too soon? Because we're just tired, man. Just tired of the cycles. Say, Lord, just bring me out and bring me out completely. But don't bring me out just to bring me to Jericho. I just left the Israelites. Now you got me about to fight another battle. And let me tell you what was in front of them. It wasn't just one wall. Archaeologists now say that Jericho was surrounded by two walls. One wall was 20 feet tall. The first wall was 20 feet tall and six feet deep. The second wall was 30 feet tall, 13 feet deep. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? They have crossed over into the promised land. I'm thinking I'm about to eat these big grapes, land flow of milk and honey. And the Lord says, no, there's another fight ahead of you. And I just want you to see the first thing that you see when you cross into the promised land is two walls, 20 feet tall and 30 feet tall. And God says, what I've promised you is just on the other side of your Jericho. Are y'all listening to me? Not only that. This is Joshua's first assignment, Cedric. For 40 years, Moses was leading them. Now Joshua stepped on the scene. He a rookie 
said, the first thing you're going to do, rookie Joshua, is you're going to take Jericho. Now, we read in the story, we read in the story in reverse. Are y'all with me? And that's why somebody said, faith must be lived going forward, but it can only be understood looking backward. Jared, Joshua didn't have the benefit of what we have reading the story. He didn't know that the people in Jericho were already afraid of them and that the whole city was on lockdown because God was with him. All he saw was a big city. Can I suggest to you that what you see right now, the circumstances that are lying to you, God's already got that taken care of. Already. Listen, let me read verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Now, here's your battle plan. Now, notice, notice just these three things I'm going to tell you about Joshua. Here's what Joshua is struggling with. There is no sight of the promise. He can't see the king. He can't see the mighty man. All he sees are walls. But God says, I've already given the king to you. I've given all his mighty men into your hand. And every single day, life will present two competing and contradictory witnesses and testimonies. You see the walls, but God says, I've given you the city. You see the walls, God says, I've given you the king and all of his mighty men. And the Bible calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And when Joshua, God says, look, behold, that means look out there and see what I've given you, but all he sees is walls. Have you ever been in that place before? Wait, God telling you something and what he's telling you in here doesn't match what you're seeing out here? That's a Joshua kind of faith. Now it gets even more weird. Because now he's going to give him the strategy to take the city. All right. I'm going to go fast, but I got to say this to you. Now this is the Lord, infinite in wisdom. Speaking to a man of war, and he says, here's your battle plan, Joshua. This is how you're going to lay hold of the promise. In fact, I don't even want you to do what makes sense. I don't want you to talk to no consultants. I don't want you to talk to no experts. I don't even want you to even rely on your own acumen as a man of war. Lay it all aside. Listen to me, listen to me. When Jesus told Peter to cast his net on the other side, there was a need for Peter, who was a fisherman, to humble himself and listen to the counsel of a carpenter. That's why most of us fail. Peter could have said, Jesus, stay in your lane. Go build a chair. Don't tell me nothing about catching fish. And that's where we get stuck. We think we know it all. Jesus, I am a fighting man. Don't tell me how to take this city. Look at your ridiculous plan. That's what he said. He said, look, you're going to march around the city. 
going to march around this city. And for the first six days, you're going to march around the city, and you're going to have the priests. They're going to go ahead of you, and they're going to have the shofar. Listen to me. A shofar is just a ricky, raggedy, old ram's horn. Ain't it the big trumpets that you see in Cecil B. DeMille, Ten Commandments? One no trumpets. Ram's horn. You're going to tell these priests, they ain't fighting men. I'm going to, you put the priests in front, and they, seven of them, and they're going to have these ram horns. And you're going to march around the city. First six days, you're just going to march around the city for six, I mean, for one time. First day, march around the city one time for six days. And while you're marching, they're just going to blow that trumpet. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I don't know what God's been telling you to do. But it seems like when God speaks, his instructions are often illogical. And that's why most of us wait too long to get started. Right now, I would venture to say, that God has already spoken to many of us about what to do. But it looks as foolish as marching around the wall for six days. And then, oh, 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 I'm sorry. On the seventh day, march around the wall seven times. Now, can I just be petty for a minute? Listen to me. The miracle... First of all, is that Joshua even obeyed God. The second miracle is that the people following Joshua are willing to obey Joshua. Let me tell you the third miracle. Let me tell you the third miracle. third miracle is that they were supposed to follow Joshua and not say a word. Follow Pastor Ray. As he marching around this field, and God say he's going to give you a property, or God's going to give you a notable miracle, and don't say a word. Don't complain. Don't argue. Don't have no side conversation. Pastor Ray didn't hear from God. He lied. Pastor Ray didn't hear from God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you're having a little roast pasta for dinner. Pastor Ray talking about God's going to do more in this season with less. He crazy. Has he seen the price of real estate? I'm just following this man around the wall for nothing. Show up Sunday morning. Where everybody at? He sure he heard from God to start a church? Oh, the people in the story? Good answer. It is a miracle that this guy obeyed God. And it's a miracle that he got thousands of fighting men to follow him in silence, marching around a wall. It's an even further miracle that he got them to keep silent and not express their opinions. Man, Joshua done lost his mind. 
I can hear from God too. That's not what God told me in my prayer closet about how we were going to take Jericho. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, man. Don't act innocent. That's what Joshua is dealing with. Listen to me, listen to me. Most of us quit too soon. Most of us would have quit on day six because number one, first thing, there's no, no, no sight of the promise. He can't see it. All he sees, two giant walls. Can I give you the second reason most of us quit? Ah, can I give you the second reason most of us quit? The second reason most of us quit is because there is no sign of progress. It's one thing to march around the walls. And every day you see a little bit of a crack in the wall. At least, Lord, on day three, let one brick fall out the wall. And I'm going to know what I'm doing is making a difference. But you're steady doing what God told you to do. No sign of progress. Are y'all with me? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And that is the dilemma of where most people live. They don't have faith for the long haul because there's no sign of progress. Steady doing what God told me to do and no sign of progress. (sighs) I'm going to let y'all go. We'll pick this up next week. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to say. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just because you can't see it, man, doesn't mean God's not at work, y'all. I'm just going to give you a moment of brutal honesty. My dad's here. Our children's ministry blessed us with a beautiful tree. Kimberly Gambala, Chinese wisteria. Had a landscaper come and plant it in the backyard. Everything that we've read about it, it says, hey, man, the things grow, it grows real fast. Made sure that they put the tree in the right spot. Good soil. The dude put water in the hole and he put fertilizer in the hole and he put, uh, uh, um, uh, he put soil in there. And he said, man, it's good to go, man. And everything we've read about the Chinese blue Assyria is that by now we should be seeing something. Come on, I'm talking about preaching this message. I'm talking about faith for the long haul when the testimony of your senses contradict what God said. I can't see what's happening underground. I'm waiting for something to manifest above ground, but there is something happening under there that I can't see with my physical eyes. And here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. There's no sign of progress. But here's the third reason we faint, because there is no set date for the fulfillment of the promise. So, God, you really mean to tell me I'm just supposed to continue trusting you? You ain't going to give me no, there's no end in sight. I just, I... I just need to wait until the appointed time. Can you tell me when the appointed time is? 
says no. Trust me daily. Trust me daily. So in my frustration, I called, I called the nursery. I said, I got this blue Chinese wisteria. I'm supposed to be seeing something. What do I do? Because, I, you see, I, I want to see results. Because I was tempted, right, to uproot the tree and put it somewhere else. Are you with me? Kimberly, don't be mad at me. I'm just being honest. <laughs> Your tree. Good answer. I'm talking about the way we are with God. We're tempted to uproot the tree. Because everything I've been told is by now you should be seeing something. And so the, the guy on the other end of the line said, oh, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Sometimes those things happen. When trees grow at a different rate and at a different pace. This is all you got to do. Go to the tree. And ride where the, where the tree is kind of uh, uh, in the soil. Just with your little fingernail, just kind of scratch it a little bit. And if you see green, you're good because the tree's still alive. I didn't tell my dad, though. Came in there in the kitchen talking with the family, trying to wait for the perfect moment to make my move to the backyard. You know how you are, man. It's like, man, ah, Lord, if I scratch this tree, y'all know how we are now with God. No sign of progress. No set date for fulfillment. If I scratch this tree, man, I don't see green. It's going to be a problem. For me. Are y'all with me? Come back next week and I'll tell you what I saw. That's the way you do it, right? Come on. To be continued. That's like that Game of Thrones season finale, y'all. I don't watch the show, but I know y'all. So anyway, I go down there, man. Get on one knee. Look for my longest fingernail. <laughs> I do cut my nails. But I will look for the longest fingernail. And uh, I went in, man. And I saw green. Which means, listen to me, the tree is alive. That there's something working that I cannot see. There are roots being formed that are going deep down into the soil. Anybody know about the mighty sequoia tree in the great northwest? They have unusually shallow roots. In fact, for trees that tall that go up to like 90 feet into the air, they're supposed to have a root system that goes deep, deep, deep down into the earth. But the sequoia have really shallow roots. 
And the reason that the sequoia is able to stand at that height with such shallow roots is that instead of the sequoia trees roots growing down, they spread out and they reach out to other sequoia trees and they lock their roots with the other sequoia trees around them. And because they are not giant trees standing alone, at 90 feet with shallow roots, they're able to withstand everything that the elements throw against them. So why am I saying that? There are things happening underground that I can't even see. But that tree is still alive. And God is saying to each of us this morning, he's saying to each of us this morning, he's saying to each of us this morning, ah, you have no sight of the promise. All you see is walls, but I've already given the king and those mighty men into your hands. There's no sight of progress, no sign of progress. You're marching around these walls for six days. Not one brick has fallen, not one crack in the wall. Keep marching. And even though I haven't given you a set date for fulfillment, trust me, trust me. Because I will do it. So today, Father, we choose to be imitators of those who through faith and patience, faith and patience inherit the promise. Lord, I'm praying for that one. I'm praying for that. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for me. And I'm praying for our church. And I'm praying for each one, Father, each family. For that one who is waiting. Who's waiting? Who's waiting? for the manifestation of the promise. Lord, I thank you that we will wait upon you actively, not passively. We will minister unto the Lord. We will march around the walls while we wait. We will keep silent while we wait. We will blow the trumpet while we wait. We won't sit and do nothing. We won't sit and do nothing because while we wait actively on you, God, you're working. You're working. You're working all things together for my good and for your glory. So God, thank you for developing the faith in us for the long haul. For the long haul. Not just for the sprint, but for the marathon. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I I just got to say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I got to say this. I got to say this. Got to say this. When I was praying, just had this picture on the inside. I don't know who it's for. It's for somebody. And I believe the Lord is saying, resist the urge to measure where you are by those who are ahead of you. When you see no sign of progress for the things you're trusting God for, Don't grow frustrated and envious of the people who it's already happening for. Listen to me. I hear that crystal clear that part of the struggle is that you're seeing signs of progress for everybody else. And your frustration and your anger toward God is why hasn't it happened for me? One of the worst things you can do in track is take your eyes off your lane And even a short glance to the person to your left or to your right can cost you the race. And I just felt the Lord impress in my heart when I was praying is tell them not to wrestle with the signs of progress in everybody else's life. 
listen to me. I hear the Lord say a second thing. I hear the Lord say a second thing. I don't know if it's because some of you are disobedient or have been disobedient. But the impression I get is the Lord saying that, how do I say? Um, how many of you realize that God's not going to rain down manna from heaven? He's not going to rain down money from heaven. He's not going to rain down the stuff you need from heaven. How many of you realize that God works through the hands of men? I just saw the Lord in presence say, part of the, the waiting is because of others' disobedience. It's the instruction that I've given to some that they have not heeded that has held up what I've planned for you. Listen to me. Listen to me. If God's been saying to you, do this for someone, do it. Listen to me. If God's been giving you an illogical instruction about doing something for someone, just do it. Let me give you an example. Uh, we were about to buy a, a, a freezer or a second refrigerator freezer type thing to put in the, uh, in the garage. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, we were going to go buy one. Out of the blue, my wife gets a call. And this person says, look, we're getting this new refrigerator. Things brand new. You know those fancy silver? And it says, we need a bigger refrigerator. It's a new refrigerator, but we've got this big space for our refrigerator. And we just need a bigger refrigerator to put in our spot. And we're going to sell this refrigerator. But we just thought about you and, 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 and your wife. Right when we were about to buy a refrigerator. Listen to me. God answers prayers through the hands of men. And your disobedience to an instruction could be holding up somebody else's blessing. It's not because God hasn't answered. It's because somebody else is disobedient to what God's telling them to do. So two things. Take your eyes off of the lane and the progress of the people ahead of you. Let God finish the work in you. Second thing, if God is telling you to do something for someone, do it. Because you have become God's answer to their prayer. Stand with us as we're dismissed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, give us faith for the long haul. In Jesus' We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at if you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text City Church TV and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.